Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. fun series this has been. I, I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying this series. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun to read the book. I enjoyed that. I encourage you to pick up a copy of the book. We have it in the lobby or wherever you buy books. I'm sure you can find a copy. There's so much in there that I can't even begin to touch. And so we're just kind of hitting the highlights. So I encourage you, Mark, Mark Batterson is a pastor in the Washington, D.C. area. And uh, just uh, pick up his book and you'll enjoy that as you, it'll add to what we're doing each week. But this week, the habit that we're going to look at, boy, it's, it really hit me square in the eyes. And so I hope that you will hear this today with love and compassion uh, as we learn to fly the kite. Yes, that's right. This one is not as gross as last week's habit, which was eat the frog. This week, it's fly the kite. And you're going to hear all about that. But if you have your Bibles, however you get your Bible, whether in book form or online or in an app, go ahead and turn to the book of Zechariah. The book of Zechariah chapter 4. If you need your... Um, if you need your, uh, well, I have no network connection. If you need your uh, table of contents, that's totally fine. That's what it's there for. Go into the beginning and look at Zechariah chapter 4, and it'll be on the screen behind me or on your screen at home. This is Zechariah chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 8, and this is out of the New Living Translation. Hear the word of the Lord. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. I want you to go back. I'm going to read this this verse again, verse 10. And I want you to underline, if you feel comfortable underlining, or highlight if you're on an app, do not despise these small beginnings. That's going to be important for us today. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hands. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is... Thanks be to God. I'm going to show you a picture of the first suspension bridge over the Niagara Canyon. Well, I guess it's not a picture. It's, they didn't have pictures back then. This was somewhere around 1855. So if you need some, you know, ideas, this is before the Civil War. And, uh, and so we have this up here. And I want to, this is the completed one. This was post-Civil War. But uh, you can see, that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? A, a beautiful lithograph, I think is what they call that, a drawing. And you can see the falls kind of in the background, and you can see a train going over the top. It was two-tiered. And down below, there's some carriages and people going, going by. And this was just an amazing thing of how this got started, this beautiful bridge. Well, the designer... 
Charles uh, Ellett Jr. He was the first European trained engineer to come back to the United States. And people were a little iffy about what he could do. And so he decided to show them. He eventually won this contract and was there. But they were trying to find the right space for a bridge. Now, how many of you have ever been to Niagara Falls, either on top or bottom? A lot of you have. Have you ever noticed the volume of water that is going over those falls? It's intense the way it's pushed through that channel and goes down. The volume is is just immense. Incredible how this goes. And they found that the best place for this bridge to happen would be at Niagara Gorge. The only problem is it's an 800-foot span with 235-foot cliffs on either side, and the bridge that replaced this bridge is now called the Whirlpool Bridge because underneath there is a big whirlpool that is right in that area. So while it's the best location, how do you even begin it? How do you send a cable across that? How do you do this? Oh, they came up with some crazy ideas. They thought, oh, we could attach a cable to a cannonball and fire it across. Or they had an idea for a rocket that would have the cable tied and they could launch it across. Eventually, though, what they came down to, are you ready for this? They decided, let's fly a kite across. Now, a kite is not going to carry a cable big enough for trains and things along those lines. So what did they do? They decided to open this up and make a contest for young boys to fly the kite. And whoever could get their kite across and tied to a tree on the other side would win, are you ready, five whole dollars. That's a lot of money back then. But one 16-year-old boy decide. Now, the beautiful thing is they decided to do this in January. The falls look like this in January. It's a lot like our weather in January. Can you imagine going out and flying a kite in January? No thanks. But he did. Homan, and I'm blanking on his last name, Homan Walls, Homan Walls, uh, flew this kite. Now, he had a better idea. He decided instead of flying from the American side, he would take a journey and go up and catch a ferry up above the falls across the river and hike all the way back down to the bridge location on the Canadian side because the wind would blow in the right direction for him. And so he hiked. Can you imagine letting your 16-year-old kid do this uh, in the dead of winter? He went over. It took him six days to get all the way around to the other side. He began to fly his kite. And on his first attempt, he got it over. But as he was pulling to try and make sure it was secure, the string broke. He had to wait eight days because it's January and there was an ice dam that blocked the ferry from going over. But that didn't stop him. He hiked back to the ferry. He waited. He got across the ferry. He hiked back, found his kite, reattached new string, went all the way back and did it again. And on his second attempt, he did it. He flew the kite across and tied the string. Now what are we going to do? You can't, you can't build a bridge on a kite string. Well, as we've learned, as you see, if you want to read this beautiful story, they began then to just put another string and put it on a pulley to go across that little 
tight string. Now they had two strings. And then they put another string going back on that pulley, going across the other side. And then they did the same thing again until they were able to to build a little tiny cable that would go across, of string all the way across. And they did that a few times until they were able to carry a rope. Do you see where this is going? And then that rope was strong enough for them to begin to pulley across wires and then more wires until finally they had a cable from that little kite string that was two centimeters thick all the way across the span, which allowed them to do another cable all the way across and then put some space in between that and begin to build that bridge that you, you saw earlier with trains. It's as if little Holman Wallace understood that if you do the little things like they're big things, Big things can happen like they're small things. That's what fly the kite is all about. Do small things like they're big things, and big things can happen like they're small things. I know it seems strange to think a kite string can hold up a train and lots of passengers underneath. But do you think that that train conductor, once everything was there and had been across that bridge, do you think he thought, oh, this is a huge deal? No, that big thing now looked like a small thing. It's just what we do. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And this bridge never collapsed. It was taken down and replaced. But those little things, that kite string, made this possible. In many ways, this is like Zechariah's time and, and the message of Zechariah that we hear today. You see, Zechariah was spoken at, spoke, speaking after, he was spoken, he was speaking after the exile. Many years before, the children of Israel had been defeated and captured and led off in captivity to Babylon. And then, that kingdom of Babylon, after many years, was taken over by the Persians. And Darius eventually said that in trying to build good relationships with the, the new people, he said, you children of Israel can go back to your home in Jerusalem. And they got there and they were excited and Zerubbabel was the governor. And they began, first thing they wanted to do was to build that temple. They wanted a place where the presence of God could come and be among them. And so they began to lay that first foundation stone. But then, I know this is going to be hard to believe, politics kind of put a stop to some things. And there were some trade disputes, and there wasn't enough labor, and there wasn't enough material, because they weren't sure they wanted this temple to be built. They thought it might be in rebellion to the, to the empire, and so they went back, and production had to stop, and then it started again, and, and then it stopped again, and then it started again. And, and this just went on and on for almost 20 years. Huh. I don't know of a time period that sounds like this. Hmm. Things stopping and starting and little things happening and what are we going to do? And it is here that the message of God comes to Zechariah and says, don't despise the little things. For God loves, God rejoices to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Now that, that sounds strange to you. you. You think of a plum, you think of something you eat. You know, that 
that thing that's, that's really hard as a rock until there's like two seconds when it's ripe and then it goes bad and you wind up buying them at the store and then throwing them in the trash. But a plumb line was just a weight held on a string so that they could determine what was vertical. Those of you who are builders probably know what this is all about. You need it to be vertical, and they would use gravity. It was simple. It's just a string and a little weight. It's a tiny, tiny thing. And yet Zechariah's message to his people from God is, the Lord rejoices over seeing that plumb line in the hand of the builder. It's something you use at the very beginning. It's just a tiny thing. Are we, are we getting it lined up right? And yet that little tiny thing, Zechariah says, God just rejoices at that. That's amazing. Let's go to that next slide, Ian. So as we think about this, as we think about the little things, I think it's important for us to know what are the little things in your life, what are the little things? As I was looking at this message for this week, this I told you this hit me square between the eyes. I had to begin to look at the little things in life. And I began to see and understand that sometimes the little things mean we have to go back to the basics. We have to go back to those basic things. And Pastor Mark in his book tells us a story about this man. Let's go to that next slide. This is John Wooden. How many of you know who John Wooden is? The Wizard of Westwood is what he was called. He was the coach of the UCLA Bruins men's basketball team. He's one of the winningest coaches in all of college basketball. He won the national championship with his teams eight years in a row. I mean, we like to think of three-peats. But this is a back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. If you were filling out your brackets back then... It's a pretty good bet to just write UCLA in the winner column, and you can pretty much assure that you were there. And Bill Russell, who was an NBA great and an announcer, talked about his first day with the Wizard of Westwood. He was all excited. He's like, I was looking around at my new teammates, and here we all were. We were high school All-Americans, and here we were to learn from John Wooden. And the first thing he did as he walked in and all the excitement was to say, gentlemen, come with me back into the locker room. So we all went in. We were just waiting for the wisdom. And then he took out a pair of basketball shoes and socks. He took off his shoes and socks. He says, I want to show you guys how you put on a pair of socks. And he put one sock on his right leg and he pulled it up to the place it was supposed to be and told them to, to look to make sure there were no twists. And then he put on the other one. He says, now I would like you to put on your shoes. And you put them on and this is how you lace up your tennis shoes. And he began to show them how to lace up their tennis shoes. Then he showed them how that they are to tie the drawstring of their shorts, which were way shorter back then. Man, that was just, I don't know what they were thinking. And then how you take your jersey and tuck it in to those shorts so that you look presentable when you go out. And Bill Russell was saying, what in the world? He said, it wasn't until later that I realized he wanted to make sure and leave nothing unturned. He wanted to make sure we were doing the small things well in order that the great things, the big things would come as no surprise. That's pretty crazy. 
So what's your shoestring? What's your plumb line? What's your kite string? Let's move on because it's going to take us back to basics. And I want us to be very practical today when you begin to think about those small things that sometimes we just gloss over and sometimes we even despise. What are the small things in your family today? Husband, wife. Do you say good morning? Or do you just jump out of bed? That's a small thing. But it's, it's, a, it's a good thing, a thing that God rejoices over. Do you compliment one another? Do you still say, please, thank you? Do you help one another? Do you do the thing that you know would help them and love, show love to them? If you don't, yeah, there's some great books out there that can help you with some of those things. Five Love Languages is one. There, there's, a, there's a bunch. Come talk to me. I'd, I'd love to help you. It's in the small things. Don't despise them. Don't overlook them just because it's a shoestring or a plumb line or a kite string. If you do those things well, the big things begin to happen. What about with your kids? Do you ask them with please? And when they do it, say thank you? Or is it, go get me this, take the trash out, recycling bin, now? What about the small things to do? Do they know how much you love them? Do you pray for them? Do they see you praying for them? Do they hear you praying for them, parent? These seem like trivial little things. But Zechariah tells us the Lord rejoices when he sees the little things being done in your hand. Now, I know families are more than parents and husbands and wives. So kids, what about you? Any teenagers online? Do parents hear your love and respect for them? Do you say, yes, I'll do that when they, when they ask? Do you express your love for them? Mom, Dad, I love you. I love this about you. Thank you for that. Ah, kids have tuned me out, have they? I know this may seem like, oh, you're just harping on the things. No, I want you to know about the things that God rejoices over. When he sees the little things being done like they're big things, then the big things become like little things when God gets involved. What are the basics in family? Think about the small, little things that maybe you need to begin to let God rejoice over as he sees you participating in them. What about back to the basics in work? What about when we go to work? Do we, I mean, maybe some of us have been doing your job for a long, long time and you think you know it, but, but let me ask you, the little things, do you show up on time? Does, does your work, whatever, whoever your employer is, do they get that eight full hours from you? Is there grumbling and complaining or, or is there a 
desire to do the little things each day that can build that line a little bit stronger each day so that work becomes a place where God rejoices as he sees you doing the little things. When was the last time you walked in to your boss with a smile on your face and said, good morning? How was your weekend? Or the person who sits in the desk across from you? Again, I know it may seem trivial, but these are the things, the small things, the shoestrings, the plumb lines, the kite string that God rejoices over. What about in your work? What about in school, students? Do your teachers get a hello? As you walk into class? I know that may not be cool. Is that even the word now? Cool? Sorry, I'm old. Do they get a hello? (laughs) How's your day? Do they get your best work? Do you concentrate and focus and long to hear? Do your classmates get those little things? Those are the things that God rejoices over. Let's move on. What about in your faith? If we call ourselves someone who believes in Jesus, what about the little things? I'm not talking about sweet hour of prayer. I'm talking about maybe sweet five minutes with Jesus. Does Jesus get even enough space just for saying the Lord's Prayer? It's okay for it to begin right there. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins in the same manner that we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That took me what, about 10 seconds? Can you start there? Is that your plumb line? Is that your shoestring? Is that your kite string? Can you begin to just hold on to that little thing, trusting that God rejoices as you do the small thing? As people of faith, we look to the Scriptures for our daily guidance, that the Holy Spirit would use that to help us gain wisdom of how to live our lives as human beings redeemed by Jesus. And we have this beautiful book this library of books that we are called to meditate on day and night so that doesn't mean you have to read all the pages all at once but can you sit with a verse two verses slowly work your way through it will take a lifetime but start with the small thing the little plumb line the tying the shoes the kite string and god rejoices And God begins to do the big things as if they're little things. You'll see this happen. But today, of course, I want to finish by talking about back to the basics when it comes to us, the faith community. When it comes to church, there are some little things, the plumb lines, the shoestrings, What are we called to do? Let's get back to the basics of being Jesus followers, of being the church. One of the things that we are called to do is we are called to worship together. 
We're called to worship together. Whether we worship online or whether you worship here, we are called to do this together. And we are called to worship. We are called, and it's not just about the singing. We're called to bring all of who we are, our daily lives, our heart, our soul, our muchness, as we've been learning. We're called to bring all of that before God and to say thank you and give gratitude and to sing songs about Him and to Him. To give and to encourage one another. It's important. I know I underlined the word worship, but there's an importance in the togetherness. And again, whether that's here or virtual, we are called to do this together. When, my friend, was the last time you prepared for worship together? When was the last time you put it in your calendar and said, this is the priority. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be on the online campus. I'm not going to miss a minute. And I'm going to make sure that I remember that I am worshiping the God who can give me strength and his arms are strong enough to carry me through it all. And I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing in my living room. I'm going to sing in my car if that's where I'm I'm listening. I'm going to sing even if I don't know how to sing and everybody else is embarrassed. I'm coming to worship because I want to get back to the basics. I'm going to bring my little shoestring, my plumb line, my kite string, and I'm going to do those little things like it's a big thing and wait on God to do the big things like they're little things. When was the last time you put that kind of effort into worship? into being a part of this together. Second thing that we do together, we're called to learn together. This Bible takes a lifetime to get in. I have been dedicating major portions of my life to the study of this for 30 years. And before that, it was the, the just the basics, going to church and Sunday school and having a youth group and, and those kinds of things. And I still learn something new almost every time I begin to approach the scriptures. We are called to learn and we are called to learn together. And so one of those things that I want to say, maybe it's a small thing. Maybe you think it's an unimportant thing, like a shoestring or a plumb line or a kite string. But folks, that's what small groups are all about. It's about getting back to the basics, to doing a small thing like it's a big thing and waiting on God to do the big thing like it's a small thing. If you're not a part of a small group, we need you to be a part of a small group. Let's get back to basics. We worship together. We learn together. Don't throw it away like a small thing. Because God rejoices when we do the small things. Lastly, we worship together. We we learn together. And we serve together. We serve together. When was the last time... You thought about service. Again, doesn't have to be, you don't have to wait for a giant, uh, you know, project uh, to come up. You don't have to wait for going over to Romania or someplace like that. Where are you serving now? Where can we get a few people to go and do a few things? I'm so excited. Our teens tonight are going to go out and serve our community in Jesus' name. You know what they're going to do? 
They're going to go to some of the grocery stores and they're going to push baskets back up to the store so that that will save because working workers are short right now. It's going to save them some time of trying to send somebody out to get the baskets. They can be in helping people and they're just going to bring those baskets back where they need to go. I mean, Jesus was pretty clear about this, right? Even a cup of cold water in my name. Where are you serving? Have you dared even yet now to, as someone is taking their basket, can you say, hey, I'll take that for you? Are you looking? We serve together the little things done like big things. And we wait on God to do the big things like they're little things. Can we move to the next slide there, Ian? So, I know, maybe you thought, oh, Pastor Jeff's stepping on a lot of toes today. That really wasn't my intention. My intention is to call out the importance of the little things. I I was listening to a book this week that talked about how we often, in the Western world, we think of virtues as something God naturally zaps us with. And if there's any work involved in it at all, then we think it somehow works righteousness, that I'm earning my salvation. It's not about that. We can never earn it. But we can fly the kite. We can do the little things as if they were big things and then wait on God to do the big things like developing the virtues of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control in us. He can do that like they're little things. But we have our part, and God does his part. We're in this together. If you need scripture for that, it's in Philippians. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work within you, enabling you and helping you to will and to do his good pleasure. There are little things, church, that we're called to do. What is your shoelace? What is your plumb line? What is your kite string? I want you to know and experience the rejoicing of God in your life as you do the small things. I want you to know the Lord rejoices no matter how small it is. Do that thing and do it as if it was a big, huge, ginormous task and do it well. And then sit back and wait to see God do the big thing like it was a little thing. Now, I don't want you to leave here without something to do. I know we're in school mode, so a little homework. All right? I want you to find one thing in each category. If you're taking notes or writing things down or you can pull out your your app that will let you take a note or something like that, I want you to do that. You can take out your phone and take a picture of the slide if you need to. But this week, I want you to take one small thing from each category. Family, work, faith, faith community. One thing. And commit this week, the next seven days, To do that one thing as if your life depended on it. As if it was the biggest accomplishment and task you could do. And I don't care how small you need to make that little bite. Go for it. Do the small things like they're big things and wait on God to do big things like they're small things. 
Are you with me? This, my friends, is how we grow. This is how that kite string eventually can hold up a train. Let's go fly the kite. Would you stand and let's bow our heads for prayer. God, I'm so grateful that you're so good that you would rejoice over the smallest of things when we participate in your grace. Father, if anyone here today is feeling beat up by this message, would you come near to them and comfort them Say, I just want to show you the shoestring, the plumb line, the kite string. And I will help you in all of these things. Help them to receive grace for themselves. To choose something small in each category and commit to doing it. I pray that they will see their kite soar. That kite string will become a little bit stronger over time and a little bit stronger until it feels like it could hold the weight of a train. Father, lay on our hearts those small things today this week I pray we would hear you rejoicing over something as small as a string with a weight on it for you know where you're going to lead this you know what you are capable of in our little efforts and so we thank you and we leave here rejoicing ready to do the small things as if they were huge. Remind us, whatever we do, do it as we were, as if we were doing it for you. Because we really are. We pray and ask these things in your name. Amen. Did you receive this blessing, you online? Would you receive this blessing? And now, may you find your kite string, your plumb line, your shoestring, May you do it with all the effort you can. Knowing that God rejoices in what you're doing. I pray you would sense His compassion, His grace, His strength, and His sheer pride in seeing you do the little thing. And I pray over time, you would experience God doing the big thing like it was a little Go in his name. Go and celebrate. Go and rejoice. Go and share and do that little thing with all your might. I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in his name. Go fly the kite. Thank you for joining us online. May God bless you. 
Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3nas.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.